Welcome to the Hard Ball Gets podcast. This is another edition, or more so the final edition for the year of the AFLW takeover, completely packed for work and the weekend. This podcast is brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. We've got a grand final to talk about. Don't we? What? Amy, Jen, Melbourne did it. (laughs) They did it for Daisy. It happens, finally, after seven (laughs) seasons of talking about Daisy Pierce, they got it done, but... I, I was a fan of this result. Um, I think the game probably had some areas where I would have liked to see improvement, but I think the result was a good one. Yeah, I was, I'll go first, <laughs> Amy, because I know you... Okay, you go, you go. <laughs> I, I, I went into this game head saying Brisbane should have have this game covered. I thought they had enough heart, said Melbourne. Um, and, you know, so the Daisy Pierce storyline comes through. It occurs. She then comes to the end of it and doesn't commit either way to a retirement. I was like, oh, man, I can't go through a third year of do it for Daisy. So <laughs> I think I've retired her in my brain. But I don't know. The, the game itself, I was really surprised. Brisbane went out so quickly. They had those two goals. And I thought, yeah. And the, the, the first goal, the lead, the lead into the mark, exactly why I thought Brisbane would be a threat. And then that was it. Melbourne just shut them down. Only two goals in the first quarter yeah. and then didn't score again. Well, score a goal for the rest of the game. Amy, you, you have some thoughts, we're told, on this game. <laughs> oh, no, I just it wasn't a great spectacle, to be honest. I, I was hoping for, as you said, those two sides playing uh, their own game plans. Um, that would have made a really competitive, skillful game. Um, and I think, you know, obviously you've got to adapt to, to the conditions and adapt to where the game is at in that point of time and I think Melbourne did that but I think it sort of probably put a little bit of a blight on the game one with the end score um, but two with the lack of composure and the lack of skill that Brisbane and Melbourne have showed all season. I know pressure does come into to effect in the grand final but um, I was probably hoping for a little bit more. I just was a little bit disappointed that's all. I, w- I thought similar that these were two teams that looked like they'd matured into more of a phase of still being able to skill execute and play a game at a really high intensity and a high pressure game that I thought this is why we will still have a really great grand final but it does just show that grand final just makes people churn through their energy, decision making can go out the window, skill execution becomes much more rushed and uh, yeah, even these two teams fell, fell into that trap I think at times. You look at the ladder heading into this game and it was sort of like Brisbane and Melbourne. I think Melbourne were the number one attacking team and the number two defensively. And then Brisbane, you flip that, the best defensive team versus the... Or it's vice versa, it's one of those options. But basically one and two in both of those, you know, fields and methods. And then suddenly the defences were both massive. I thought there was some very good defensive displays on the ground. And um, we'll circle back to the medal voting in yes. a second, but there's some there's some things I want to say on that. But I thought, honestly, that there was going to be more scoring, but maybe that was the fact that just the defences were too good. Yeah, they definitely like were their biggest um, improver from both teams, I think, um, their defensive line. I know... Um, Brisbane sort of lost Conan sort of for half the game, which which did affect them in the end um, because she's such a rock down there and she definitely wasn't at her best um, with that injury. But um, it was just interesting to see how Brisbane kind of, although they were two goals ahead, they went into that shell a little bit when Melbourne up the pressure or up the intensity of moving the ball forward fast. 
and I'll, you know, I've seen all season Brisbane when that's happened sort of compose themselves and, and play that tempo footy and they just didn't do it and they didn't execute it and I think that's where they fell into that trap. Let's look at the medal. So Shannon Campbell from Brisbane won the medal and she was very, very good, don't get me wrong, but is it is it still weird that we have the best on ground medal going to an opposition player? Because in my head, I probably felt like Melbourne had that game in the bag for probably the, the second half. They were the better team probably after the first quarter and just didn't quite capitalise on their opportunities to get further ahead. Um, I thought, yeah, Shannon, very good. But is there anyone else we should have thought probably should have won it? Oh. Is it bad that I couldn't really think of anyone? <laughs> <laughs> well, one name... Like, I don't think there was any standouts of that game that go, wow, like, she had a ripper game. Like, I will never forget that game. I think there was such so ebbs and flows of people coming in and out and making their presence felt but then going out of the game again. So I think it was difficult. I think it was almost like... If, if one person kicked that third goal for either team, potentially mm. they would have been it because that would have been that real moment of sealer and taking the game away. And so it felt like it was that moment of for that selection group going, oh, uh, uh, uh. It's, it, this, this, we haven't had someone break out the box here and do something that dominant except, you know, the, the eventual winner has done exceptionally well. What a shame that she's on the, the losing side. Yeah. It just leaves you a bit flat, and you can tell for her as well. It's a weird feeling to win the player of the, the day and to then be like, my team lost, I don't really want this, I want the win. It's, it's a flat feeling. Because Eliza West finished runner-up yeah. with just one vote behind um, Shannon. So we could, so have go had that a, way. could have had a tie, but yeah. Eliza West's efficiency probably wasn't that great, the way she used the ball. like She, she racked it up, but she didn't quite, wasn't that polish and skill and which obviously comes with the pressure. But Maddie Gay as well for Melbourne, I thought she had an outstanding game and I was pretty surprised um, she didn't feature in the votes at all. But I guess at the end of the day, we've played two seasons in one year. We have two premiers. One of them is finally the Demons that finally tick that box. I think it's massive from the sense of an OG team Getting getting it getting it done right now. When we head now into this period of time where there is the eighteen teams, and I am happy that they were the two teams in the final for this year. They were the standout sides. I was happy that that was the grand final matchup. Um, I, I'm very interested to see where both of these teams go for next season. Mm. That, that motivation of what's next, as Brisbane was so motivated by losing one game heading into the grand final last year, so they had this real desire. Melbourne were dirty that they, they lost, but now they've got the big break. I wonder what will happen for these two teams and their players who just now finally will go, I need to, I need to stop. <laughs> I reckon that about sums it up, but personally I'd take uh, a Kaufman Mulholland medal um, for Wembley, B-grade any day over a best on ground grand oh, final medal. Yeah, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon that's the real one the players should have been after at the end of the day, but... <laughs> Let's get into the season reviews. Kicking off with Adelaide. Oh, is that me? Are That's you. The Megan, <laughs> the Megan Kaufman Mulholland medalist. <laughs> I was just, I was just still thinking about that. I forgot what we were doing. Just remember no, that day I won that medal. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. Thanks for reminding yeah, me, Eliza. So, yeah, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Um, so eight wins and two losses, obviously finishing third on the ladder. Um, can't be too disappointed with their season, but obviously some things to work on. So I think what worked well um, was they were able to win games 
like when they weren't playing their best footy at the beginning or putting a big score on the board. So that obviously that helped them get those eight wins. Um, but two of their losses came from both grand finalists. So um, it just showed they weren't quite good enough to be sort of there on the last day. Um, the one thing too, they had their midfield is always strong. Um, I just think they lack polish at times. So um, definitely something that they can improve on. Um what didn't work uh, is I think that they just lacked finishing. Um, it hurt them against the better sides and which didn't help them. They couldn't beat the contenders. So I just think with their midfield, they play this one tempo of clearing the ball forward at all costs. Um, so when they get it, they just want to get it long, get the, get it working and, and try to score from there. Um, and I think it came a bit unstuck this season. Um, you, you look at, Marinoff, she finished the season with the most disposals of, of any player, but at 50% efficiency. So I think going forward next year, um, they really need to work on whether that is changing the game plan or just changing the way that they're going to go forward. Um, that would be my take. My question on Adelaide is how much did they miss Erin Phillips, do, do we reckon? Because she was the big-name player that went across to Port, as everyone predicted. Do, we, do you reckon her influence was missed and that could have contributed? Well, I look at Erin Phillips this season, I'm sure we can talk about that with Port Adelaide, but no, not in that sense. She was on one knee. Yeah. yeah. So what she would have been able to give them... The leadership, ...having though? been there, maybe that's part of it. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. They were definitely missing something they need to add in, but, yeah, on reflection... I, don't think, I, think, you're, uh, I think they not, weren't missing Erin Phillips as a player. I think they were missing her uh, as a person and a mm. character football club potentially like um she's obviously um worked on on marinoff um as a young player sort of gelling her into that more refined sort of person um in at the footy club and and that and when you sort of lose a person like that um some people can can lose their way slightly i don't think it had a a big enough effect to say yes or no but it obviously may have on some players yeah uh, Amy, we'll stay with you and look at Brisbane. Yes, okay. So nine wins, one loss. Obviously finished the season as minor premiers. Um, what worked well, they scored heavily. Um, they had a strong forward line um, and a forward line that any forward line coach would be envious of. Um, they have an excellent spine. So obviously Conan Campbell, then you've got your Bates, Anderson, Spark in the middle and finishing off with Boardlord, Davidson and Hodder couldn't really in an AFLW system ask for a better spine. Um, so if they can keep that core group of players, um, I think they're going to be just as dominant next season. Um, what didn't work, uh, they lack composure in that grand final for me. Um, they played the territory game instead of controlling the footy um, and hitting those targets. And so when they had got sort of that lead and then they wanted to sort of take up, take control of it. They didn't. They just kept bombing it forward. Um, and I think they play their best footy when they're using their wings. Um, but they played very skinny on the weekend, um, which allowed Melbourne's stoppage bulls like your, your West and, and Hanks to sort of control the clearances and control the footy. One other thing before I give you your... But Ali Anderson, obviously excellent AFLW MVP, um, really sort of not expected um, and I think she's a really great ball winner um, but I also think that she's not the greatest user of the ball at times and and that's something that she could probably work on going forward for that midfield just to, to sort of be better so 
That was part of where I was going to go with my next question. We haven't circled around to the W Awards in that sense, so the week leading in to the final. But Anderson winning the best and fairest, not making the All-Australian. How did we feel about that? Would you? Can you see a spot for her that you would have changed? Or is it just like, well, no, I agree with the All-Australian and I'm not surprised that she's not in it. I would have gone Hatchard out from okay. Adelaide. That was, would have been my pick. I thought Hatchard... She's had better seasons. She has. I and I think that. Ali Anderson probably exceeded expectations, but still, for whatever reason, wasn't quite looked upon as one of the better midfielders in the comp by that panel. And we know there's there's been a bit of a debate about interstate representation <laughs> on that panel. But lack I'm, of. Lack of, lack of. But, yeah, bit awkward. Okay. I think, too, I would have probably taken Georgia Press Barkers out. I think that was a big call putting her in. I think she's a good player, but um, missing two games and, and playing it, yes, she had an influence, but I think if you look at the, their midfield, Amy McDonald probably had more of a presence, I think, at times than um, Press Barkers did. Yeah, I think so the names sometimes my, get you in. It does. And my last thing would be, like, Brisbane, tough. They've had some tough uh, grand final losses. Um, would you look at their mindset going forward um, at individuals playing in these big games? Is, is this what's costing them or is it a team approach? I don't think so. I think the first two were unlucky and then they obviously broke the demon in 2021 and then I feel like Melbourne had just wanted it more because of what they went through earlier this year. So I don't think it's a, a big issue because the team has changed a lot as well from those early years. Yeah. Collingwood. Okay, that is me. Sorry, my notes aren't in alphabetical order. <laughs> Silly me. Either am I. <laughs> Rookie error from you and I. Um, okay, so Collingwood, 7-3. They finished sixth. They made it into the second week of finals. So I guess for me, there was lots of, I feel like, lots of upside for Collingwood in what's working well in the perspective of what's yet to come into their stable. And I think for them, the season... Yeah, in my opinion, just has a lot of upside, I thought. Um, uh, Malloy, you know, she's gone defender, forward, now midfielder. So you know they've developed this versatile player who is going to be able to tap in wherever they need. And so, yeah, I think a lot went well for them for the season, but I'm more excited about what's available to them coming. And I think this is like a foundation season for them to launch next year. Yeah, I probably, you know, tend to agree. Like, they've been there, thereabouts for a few seasons now, but I feel like they they improved themselves this season and were actually able to have more consistency in their performances, even without, you know, Bree Davey and Britt Benici, yeah. who we know are so important to that midfield group. So I think you inject them back in and it's it's looking pretty good for Collingwood next season. So I, I think, yeah, just what they need is that full-strength list. So I do feel like the season oh. that they've had is exactly, you've summed it up, exactly that gives the idea of all these players have got so much better in experience. And in the short turnaround, I saw them as an improving side this year. Yeah. And for me, I feel like they get to the end of the year, they go, I think we were probably exceeded expectations and we can go further from here. So I see a huge upside for Collingwood. Yep, and I think... Oh, well. Me. No, oh, nobody. Add in, but that's no, right. you have no, no thoughts. Okay. <laughs> no, no thoughts. Moving Quite on. Enough. To Essendon and um, Amy, that's you. Okay, so Essendon um, won four, lost six, so finished 10th. 
what worked well, I think they had a good list um, going into the season. Um, strong midfield with Kane, Press Park as G as sort of seasoned players. Um, really, that so it almost had a 50% win rate um, without those close losses to Carlton and Richmond. Um, so if they sort of just got over the line with those, you'd probably say it was quite a successful season for an expansion side. Um the one thing they did fade towards the back of end of the season, um, which is usually expected for a, for a new team. Um, what didn't work as well, I think they lack a tall forward target. Um, obviously, Bonnie Tugod had a solid season, but she needs help. Um, Paige Scott being in that forward line, she's raw, she's young, like she's she's going to be a gun. But I think she lacks that maturity and experience to sort of um, assist. Bonnie too got in that role, so I think if they can go into um, off season, sort of looking for that sort of tall target, that might help them. Um, but I think the big one for them will be their fitness, um, which lacked at times, um, showing sort of fading towards the back end of the season. So if they can pull that up, I think they will be a decent team next season. It's interesting you mentioned the fitness thing. I think that'll come across probably a majority of the sides this year whether they were expansion sides it's the the match fitness of this is a brand new level and you didn't get a lot of time to prepare for it and that probably for Essendon is one thing that with they're easily the most successful of the ex- newest expansion sides but if fitness can improve going into to next season then that's that little extra puzzle piece we'll need to see I realised I missed over Carlton, so we're going to circle back yeah. to the Blues, and that's Jenny. <laughs> I was, I was I had Carlton scrolled down. I was like, oh, no, okay. I'm, more, I'm very this worried is a about role. my... <laughs> we do what I want. Uh, so Carlton finished 14th, uh, two wins, six losses, and two draws. I went into the season thinking Carlton were a potential wooden spoon uh, contender. So... I think it could have gone worse for the baggers. They did better than I thought they were going to have, but a frustrating season is where I summed it up for them. Those two draws are example of frustration. Defensively is their strength that was working well, and it was um, so you've got like what is it, Laloifi, who just became like a niche cult following came out of their year. Oh, we love. Her. So that's you know what's working well. Just there, summed up in in that name. Um, Vessio shifting to defence. It'll be interesting to see if they stick that through to next season. So a few things they had to try, but what they need to improve, what they what didn't work well, is they have to find a way to attack. They have to find a way to transition through that defensive setup that they've got and make sure they can put on points. I think that's the only way. <laughs> the timing is poor again. Like, oh What's your God. reception like up there? Yeah, it's killing you today. I know. <laughs> What was that? I didn't hear that. I got that 10 minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to Fremantle, our local outfit. Oh, I'm sure everyone's got plenty to say about this one, but I'll go first. Um, Three wins, six losses, finished 12th. Um, uh, What worked well, they're obviously able to debut debut, um, new players in Kaufman, Mulholland, Stribley, Scanlon, to name a couple, which will only be better for the experience, um, depending obviously on their list changes next season. Um, Turbo still having career best numbers, obviously not enough for an All-Australian selection. Um, I will, my face is starting to get red with anger again, but I won't uh, I won't continue with that. Um, and obviously Anya Tai continues to improve, and um, I think she's going to be a, a big asset to them next season. Um, what didn't work? Injuries. 
obviously, um, to key players, to Antonio's, JC, O'Sullivan, um, that killed them partway through the season. Uh, they lacked speed, their skills were, were poor, um, and that was obviously relating to their fitness. They also kicked half as many goals as last season. So last season they kicked 68 goals total. This season they only kicked 34. So um, they couldn't win the last quarter, couldn't finish off games. So I think they need to sort of really look to go hard in the trade period, um, see if they can get some uh, other experienced players, maybe from other states potentially. Um, but yeah, you'd probably say it wasn't a successful season, um, but it wasn't the worst. Yeah, they had a horror draw on mm. reflection as well. Bad when draw. You, when you combine it in with injuries. Because they couldn't build momentum. They just kept getting smacked by yeah. these better teams. And I think even they've reflected, haven't they, on the fact that they went too easy in the in the preseason because it was shortened. Mm. They were like, we're, we're really fit, which was a, a real pillar of what Fremantle were known for. And, in fact, they couldn't run out games. Yep. Um, so that's uh, I reckon they're going to smash themselves and get smashed throughout the preseason coming. Yeah, and these girls are experienced. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it right one day. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's, go ahead, let's, let's look at Geelong. <laughs> oh, it's me again. I think they're going to cut me off halfway again. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like what I'm saying today. Maybe. <laughs> Um, all right, so seven wins, three losses, finished fifth. Um, what worked? Obviously, they made finals for the first time. Um, huge ups to them. Uh, their defence game plan was solid. It allowed them to keep their opponents from scoring and, and win tight games. Um, youngsters obviously stepping up in McDonald, Chris Barkas, Bowen, Morrison, to name a few. Um, and I think they did really well at adjusting to their game plan and their offense later in the season. Um, but I think that was on the back of performances of, of Shear and Shelley Scott in the forward line. They started to gel, um, which created more opportunities for them. Um, what didn't work, they couldn't score when it counted. Um, so week one of finals versus North Melbourne, they had 41 inside 50s to 18. They only kicked one goal eight. So... Um, they couldn't get that score on the board when it actually counted. And I think um, their inexperience is sort of understanding the state of that game, especially the finals. Um, they'll only be a better team for it next season. I think the, the opportunity to have that and obviously hopefully review it and work out what they did wrong and how they could fix it, I think is, is only going to be an upside for them going into next season. All right, my um, randomizer com has screwed me over because I've got the next five teams in a row <laughs> when I tried to divide them up between us. So let's roll through these, starting off with Gold Coast. Don't get to listen to your sultry tones for yes. a while, do we? Take Here it we away. go. This is Eliza's time for the next <laughs> few minutes. Uh, Suns, Montment Wright, second season, they've been just on the cusp of finals. They, they were that team who finished ninth and walked away with a 5-5 ledger. And despite losing Sarah Perkins, who we know had that really good combination with Tara Bahana um, in the first season this year, they actually increased their scoring power and found more avenues to goal. Um, so Dupay stepped up and Courtney Jones came into the squad as well. And Charlie Rowbottom, she just took her game to another level this season and looks to be an absolute star of the future. What went wrong? Just a bin- inability to get wins on the road. They only won one away game for the entire season. Um, 
which when you think it's split down the middle, you've got to play five home, five away. If they want to make finals, that's what they've got to look to do next season. So still a gap between them and the top sides. Um, so looking now at GWS, I think what went right, I thought they made some inroads with that new game style under their new coach. Um, it didn't exactly always work, but that sort of, I guess, change to now wanting to put speed on the ball and go a bit faster. I think, you know, the signs are there that it can work, but they just need a bit, you know, a few more pre-seasons to sort of ingrain it in their game style. And I thought Jodie Hicks really summed that up as well, sort of making that change um, to half-back. She gave them a bit down there. What went wrong? Not enough star power. You look at Elise Parker, she's sort of the the star, um, the big name of that team, but there's not much to sort of put in and slot in around her. Um, and they struggled up forward. But I think Isabel Huntington... for All-Australian, do you think? Another snub for All-Australian and, funnily enough, there's no New South Wales selector on the panel. So (laughs) read into that what you shall. But (laughs) I think Isabel Huntington coming back into that team will be a big addition next season. Hawks, what went right? Winning three games for the season, which, you know, any other team would probably smirk at that but I think for a team multiple people including myself tipped were not going to win a game to walk away with me too 12 points pretty impressive um and Tamara Smith I reckon is a breakout star in the midfield her working with Tilly Lucas Rod that was a pretty impressive combination what went wrong they just couldn't quite get that efficiency inside 50 they generally were able to compete quite well in the midfield but they kicked a single goal on four different occasions um, which isn't good enough if you want to be competing and trying to win games so Tamara Luke going down early didn't help either Melbourne the Demons what went right everything what went wrong nothing (laughs) (laughs) nothing no (laughs) nothing not quite nothing I think you know they if you walk away with a flag, you've done pretty well, haven't you? Oh, but, yes. But the, well, downs- a tick, you? the downside is that there could be a bit of change on the horizon. We spoke about Daisy earlier. Like, was that her final game? I, I tend to think it is, and it's a bit of an Aaron Phillips discussion. Do you lose that massive leadership presence and also on-field presen- presence? Will that cost them next year? Yeah, the on-field coaching, that's what we saw Adelaide miss, and I think that'll take some transition for Melbourne if and when Daisy does hang up the boots. And I thought Tali Gillard was really an exceptional story as well um, for the Demons this year. Sort of missed out on the grand final earlier this year and suddenly she turns into one of the best key defenders in the game and um, held Jesse Wardlaw scoreless in the grand final, who of course was the leading goal kicker this season. All right, the Kangaroos, um, they made a preliminary final, which is what, you know, I didn't think they would, looking at them halfway during the season. They were, they were very inconsistent, and I think that they cost themselves and shot themselves in the foot for a top-four spot, and then they were sort of trying to fight their way from the back end of finals up to the very top, which they they very almost did. You know, They only went down by a goal in that prelim final to Demons, who obviously went on to win the grand final. But I think the thing we take away from North Melbourne's season is they were able to play their best footy at the right time of the year and that'll hold them in really good stead when they get back to that point which we expect will probably be next season but another bnf discussion jasmine garner was robbed discuss 
That's <laughs> 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 a whole other episode. I hope the All Australian panel aren't listening to this episode. How do, how do you get ten votes from the coaches? Yeah, two rounds, and you don't feature from the umpires' votes. That is bonkers. And it's just, I think, like. Oh, my God. I'm just going to start talking. Kate's doing this on purpose now. <laughs> a lovely producer, Kate. It's just the evil, the evil grin that I've got sitting across the desk is so good. Uh, I was just thinking more at highlights. The sort of our umpires, they're still lacking well in that experience in AFLW. And if we want our AFLW competition to be sort of the best competition, um, I think we still need to work on that. And they obviously don't know the players because they're coming in and out. Um, mm. They're not they're so, they're not the, the same umpires. So um, I think that's something that we need to look at. All right, we've got six more teams. Port Adelaide, Amy. That's me. So they got that solitary win, um, eight losses and one draw. So finished 17th on the ladder. Um, they have a solid list, uh, but they don't have that elusive ball winner, I think. So what worked well, they had good recruiting. They built a base with some really good experience. Um, a lot of girls that have played AFLW previously, um, they have a really good future ahead. So although they don't have a ball winner, a solid experienced ball winner at the moment, I think they've got really good upside with Hannah Ewings and Abby Darrick coming one and two in the Rising Star. Um they're only going to get better for the experience and a full off-season, full pre-season um, to be able to sort of go go really hard uh, next season. What didn't work, obviously the key uh, signing in Gemma Houghton, having an injury um, didn't help their forward line. Um, and then having a draw in round three, B Carlton, um, if they'd won that, would that have put them in a different sort of momentum? Um, but then they obviously fell away. So, again, we talked about the fitness, um, and I think having a, a solid pre-season as an expansion side, they've got a good list that um, I think can improve on next season. Richmond, Jenny. Richmond, all right. Finished top four, uh, winning seven, losing two. Uh, the winning streak that they had at the end of the season or that building through, but then they went out in straight sets. What worked well? Monconti, uh, Sheeran, of course, two names that absolutely worked well. I think a downside for them was Brennan being in and out and not being available leadership-wise and obviously just polish up front and a target up front. Uh, I just think what worked well for them, they took advantage of a good draw, as mm-hmm. they should have, and they went and got it done. Mm-hmm. Probably a disappointing end to their season, though, and getting smacked by the Kangaroos when you think two weeks earlier it was that game was a draw. But I guess the signs are there and the, the building blocks are there for Richmond to, to bounce back next season. Yeah, they, de- they genuinely need to show that they can shut the gap between the big three next season. All right, St Kilda, staying with you, Jenny. Uh, 13th, 3-7. and seven. Uh, Shearlaw? Shearlaw, how do I say that? Shearlaw. I always get it right. Shearlaw. 13 goals, just under four marks a game for her. So she was what was working well. But you've still got to preface that with she's 33 years old and she kicked four in the first round against Sydney. Yeah. So she tailed off. Yeah. I think that's the what worked well and the example of what needs to work well. The veteran who started strong and then everyone, she just got a bit sleepy. Yeah. Patrick, <laughs> I always struggle with her name. Patrickios. Patrickios, thank you. Um not quite the injection we thought she might have been. I think that probably shows... Did you use injection on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was, uh, oh, that's a good pun. <laughs> I'm so that's glad a good people, pun. I'm so glad people picked that up because I have that in quotations. 
Um, but then maybe just missing a season. So I'll hold fire on her and see how next season goes. Sydney. Still with me. Uh, a tough year for the Swans. What need? What went? What worked well? I don't know. Not a lot, other than you're getting experience into the group. Um, what needs to happen? They probably do need to get um, some recruits. It's an obvious answer, but they need to somehow convince people to move to Sydney and um, bring some experience and some leadership through there. But other than that, it's just a matter of they tick the box of we're now ten games into more experience. We'll get a better proper pre-season into these players the likes of Hamilton and Ham etc are the, the what worked well Alright West Coast that's me what went right I think the youth taking the next step um, it's, it's an exciting squad they are building when you look at the likes of Ella Roberts finishing fourth in the Rising Star Sarah Lakai and Charlie Thomas also got nominated, um, both having breakout seasons in the ruck and defence. Courtney Rowley, I thought, was pretty unlucky to miss a nomination. And Bella Lewis in the midfield, she really bounced back after a pretty poor season earlier this year where her confidence was dented. So I think the sort of core is there, but we're still maybe a season or two away from them taking complete control of this team because Emma Swanson led from the front and she's just a contested ball and it was sort of touch and go for the All-Australian squad as well. What went wrong? You, you were only good as your worst player. That's a sporting saying, isn't it? Or I'm just, I think it is. Yeah. But I feel like the, the bottom end of West Coast list is still a bit of an issue. Like they just, you know, it's a bit of a factor of being an expansion team and coming into the comp pretty late. But they just haven't been able to fill out the bottom end of that squad with players who, you know, would play games at probably other AFLW clubs, which is a bit of a, you know, blight on the WA talent pool as well, I'd have to say. But they also failed to make um, the most of that cushy draw and lost to two expansion clubs, which is pretty inexcusable, I would have to say, having had a three-year head start. They had a great opportunity. When you saw their draw, and we spoke about it at the very beginning, it was like, hang on, they could potentially go 4-0 and or 5-0 and if everything, if they really step into this. And then from that moment on, when we had that conversation, they started losing. Whoops. We cursed them, mm-hmm. did we? But that was, that was a huge opportunity, and they have to look back at that and go, what if we don't get as good a draw next mm. year? And to round it out, the Western Bulldogs. Got back into finals. That's what worked well. After well, they, years. 2018 when they were champions, hey? They, they, yeah. they haven't been in since then. Um, Edmonds, Wilcox, big ticks. Black, Blackburn, another big tick. Lamb was there, but also I think some people paid more attention to her after her breakout, what felt like a breakout season last year, even though she's sort of always been in and yeah. a bit underrated. So a lot working well to get back into finals. But again... It wasn't a surprise they couldn't go deep into finals, if that, in, in a sense. So they've got to find ways to continue to, to build the talent pool so it's not just if we shut down Blackburn or if we put attention onto Lamb that we can shut your game plan down. Yeah, I think they need to um, sort of stop relying on those two and talking about those and hopefully that next crop of players, as you said, that Edmonds and Pritchard and Gabby Newton can take their game to another level because I think they have the capabilities of doing that um, and then to be really dangerous using Blackburn and Lamb um, to, in, as a support act rather than the main event. And I think their wins were against teams that I don't think all made the finals potentially. So that probably mm. shows where they were. They're still in that middling bracket in a sense. So next year, take over some, some teams that are expected to be above you and we'll start to see that improvement. There we go. All 18 teams, seasons reviewed, done and dusted. I've got 
you know, I think we should reflect on our own performances as well. I think Amy Lavelle, rising star Always. of the media, just Always. has really taken this season by the throat and just really gone on with it. Um, Jen, I reckon, I reckon most consistent. You just, you just bring some gags every week. Bring some, just the fan. That's bring all. Bring some fan insights. Know your role. Know your role. I think I'm just coaches award. Like I just, <laughs> I suck up to both of you. <laughs> you don't we suck love up to me. Usually, you usually, usually absolutely can me. So yeah, no, that's true. Actually. You suck up to Cotters, but that yeah, makes I suck sense up to Cotters. Yeah, <laughs> I suck up to Cotters as well. Yeah, maybe we're both coaches award. <laughs> Like I have any pull in any of this situation, which is uh, is odd. But would you call yourself a uh, Miss Congeniality? Uh, yes, Eliza. Um, well, considering we're a um, audio medium and nobody knows what we look like, probably not. But <laughs> yes, I say yes. Do yes, it. let's say yes to that. All right, that is a season of Hardball Gets the AFW Takeover done and dusted. We'd like to thank all of you for your company this season, your feedback, your insights into the pod. Completely packed for work and the weekend. This podcast was brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause to all of us. <laughs> hey. We did we it. it. Let's have a break, hey, AFLW? Yeah. It's off season. <laughs> yeah. Let's go get pissed. <laughs>